0: Welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt, the podcast episode 202, 202. I'm Nick Cole.
1: I am Single Light Medusa.
0: And here we are on a Wednesday morning because we got so busy doing a GE podcast yesterday that we didn't have time to make this podcast before pizza called to us.
1: I know, and you had so much to talk about too.
0: I had a lot to talk about. I think you have a lot to talk about, right?
1: I think we both do. I'm just going to dial
0: back today. (laughs) And let you take over the show, because we all know that you're the true star. Right. You're the Tracy to my Richard.
1: No one will know that
0: reference. No one will know that reference.
1: (laughs) Richard Dolan is Richard. Yeah. He is. Nick really enjoys listening to him. I enjoy
0: listening to his UFO scholarly podcast.
1: Yeah. He is really good. Yeah. Really good. He's interesting. If If you're at all vaguely interested in UFOs, which I never was until recently um he's really COVID, great to and listen to I was to. like
0: I will consider yeah <laughs> crazy. like whatever exactly. and I actually am seeing like threads on Twitter now like where people are like come at me with your craziest theories and like <laughs> and literally like all of them aren't that crazy
1: oh really yeah <laughs> you're like, all uh, hold my beer hold <laughs> I
0: my got some beer. for you um some are crazy uh today in the show notes, like in the page, if you click on the page and you're part of the email. Um, which if you're like an Apple Podcast subscriber, Spotify person, or whatever, wherever you found this podcast, you should go over to the control, or you you could go over to the control. I don't like to say you should, you can do whatever you want. Um, you could go over to the control alt revolt substack and you could sign up for the newsletter, and then you get some some you know show notes and background stuff and like, I posted a video, a conspiracy theory video from 1998. Let's see how well that held up. Yes, yeah, actually. Well they, well, they don't know. Okay. They don't know. Okay. I know. You liked it. <laughs>
1: um, and by the way, that there is a free option for that. Or there's a,
0: there uh, is a free option. paid
1: option if you yeah. would like to do that. But there is a free option um, as yeah. well. I had some guy
0: jump on my uh, Facebook page when I posted this last week for the few minutes that I wasn't banned. And he's like, not a big fan of subscribing. To pay to listen. I'm, I'm like, oh, <laughs> so I should just take like, I mean, like I know how much money I make every day writing books. And I do this for a number of reasons. I do it because I think the truth is in such short supply. And I'm not saying I have the truth, but I can tell you I'm desperately interested to find it. Like Tiffany Dover, like Damar Hamlin. Um, But I actually make more money. I actually pay my bills. I actually afford pizza and coffee, more importantly, by writing books. So I do this podcast and then there are some people and generally that's who I make this podcast solely available for is the paid people and um, and, uh, my friends and the paid people who are my friends. And, and so when someone comes along and goes, oh, I'm not a big fan of paid podcasts, it's like, oh, I should do everything for you, for free. I should do it for free for you. And again, you look at these people like, and they're like, I'm all about capitalism and freedom and MAGA and 2A. And I'm like, yes, but I should I should entertain you for free. And then so I just challenged him back. And he's like, well, you could do ads. I'm like, oh, okay, I want to be Ben Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, like, And I've dealt with Ben Shapiro. And I'm going to talk a little bit today about the Crowder uh Daily Wire thing because I have some inside info because I was I'm I know a few people that I, are actually involved and um you know uh, we considered advertising for Galaxy's Edge on Daily Wire and when they gave me and Jason their rate sheet I was like this is robbery like this is straight up robbery
1: yeah it's and, completely you know, extortionist like, I prices mean,
0: yeah it's like geez ops but like, if you listen to most of those things where they do advertisements, you know, you have to sit through thirty minutes of show to get an hour, you know, for an hour of content, and thirty minutes of it is selling you Patriot Dirt,
1: or I mean, or, yeah, vice you know, versa, what you, you know, said, or right
0: these pills, or you know, uh, the next MAGA Patriot supply food, or Ben's next book on how to take back America again, because Ben's been writing books like all of them, how to take back America again, and apparently it doesn't work uh taking back america when you keep doing everything you can to shoot your own side in the back constantly um you know but hey that's just me you know that's just me right um so it's paid because it costs me time to come in and do a podcast and people enjoy it and hey if it's not that big of a deal and you know i can just not do the podcast and i can just write books i'm cool i make money that way but if i'm going to do it I generally ask that people subscribe and, and buy me a cup of coffee once a month to get four podcasts. I don't think it's a big thing. So I hate turds who come and go, Oh, not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of turds. <laughs> and I think the guy had just like followed me like big fan of your books. And then realized like then I saw I gave him the this is not Sparta Kick and or this is Sparta Kick and just I, I get, as I get crustier and older, I just can't stand negative people. Yeah, so boot, boot, yeah. you've been booted.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you mentioned the DeMar Hamlin thing, also. That was, yeah, let's
0: jump a, into that real quick. Thing. I think that was really interesting because, um, you know, people have said for a few years that I, I listen to and, and I'm interested in, and they'll be like, Man, pro football is the biggest psyop in the entire world. And I'm like, oh, I, I really didn't, you know, initially when they said that. I said, oh, I really don't understand that. I really don't see that. But now I see it. Oh, yeah. Now I see what a con it is. And I am i don't even think the games are legit. Like, that's where I'm at now. I think they're totally rigged for wow. this emotional outcome that they try to manipulate people for and everything like that. Especially as you get closer to the pet. I, 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 I'm i sorry. you like, you know, people are like, man, you're crazy. But the DeMar Hamlin thing is very interesting because – um It starts with Tiffany Dover, and if you've listened to this podcast for a long time, you know that's a drama I, I beat constantly and repeatedly and forever. Tiffany Dover was one of the first people to get the vaccine. She was a nurse she got it on camera in front of everybody because everybody was so proud that the vaccine was going to save our lives and let us travel and Go back out into the world, and and uh, and at that time there was all this discussion like, oh, you'll need to be vaccinated to go on an airplane. You'll need, well, how, like, so what do I do? Do I just tell you I'm vaccinated? Oh no, you'll need a card, and we're probably going to do a digital ID. Oh okay, um, and then there was, uh, you're going to need the vaccine to get a Susie Cakes cupcake, and like, and suddenly like, and the Medusa and I saw it coming. I think most of the people on the podcast saw it coming, that there was going to be this checkpoint Charlie for everything in your life that you were going to need and you were going to need to be vaccinated. And and I'm not getting vaccinated by any and, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I have been heavily vaccinated in the military. But this, like with the minimum amount of research, you would you wouldn't get on an airplane that had this much sketchiness, like the vaccine does. Like literally no information in the insert when you got vaccinated. The rush, then oh, and we can't tell you about the whole development process. We want that, and this is what Pfizer did, walked into court and said no one can know about the vaccine process for 75 years. But to get a cupcake or get on an airplane, you have to take it now. And then, of course, all the worst people were involved in getting you to take it. Everybody on the news, like CNN and Fox, who are all just a bunch of giant mega whores, the same people like John Lezogamo right now pushing you to like doing these like cool little influencer videos to get you to eat bugs. Oh my, my sister gosh. just introduced oh. me to eating bugs or that total freaking psychopath Nicole Kidman. Right. I just love eating bugs. Oh, yeah. this you're not, you're not being paid to do this. You just decided to make a video about how much you love eating bugs. Oh, okay. These same whores along with Anderson Cooper, along with everybody at Fox, all of these people, vax, vax, vax. Oh, yeah, Ben Shapiro at the Daily Wire, who's the smartest guy in the room. Yeah, he was big vaxxer guy. Now he says it's not too good. Oh, Scott Adams shaming everybody, mocking everybody, calling us anti-vaxxers and stupid, now says, this week, you were right, you won. And is pretty snarky about it, but he is admitting it. So you got to give the guy a couple of props. Um, it, so Tiffany Dover gets the vaccine and dies right on camera. That's my contention and no one has proved to me that that did not happen now what's interesting is there was a psyop to prove that the opposite of that happened but it was a really bad psyop maybe you can go through that a little bit
1: yeah so we definitely watched a couple videos at the time about it where people did a really good job of pointing out what the problems were and the basic thing was or the main thing was there's for example a video uh, at her hospital, you know, maybe a few weeks after or something like that, and um, all a lot of the nurses are lined up along the stairwell. They've all got their masks on, cause, so you can't really see them very well. And they're like, "Oh, and there's Amber, you know, back at work." No, because I mean, Tiffany. Okay, right? Because
0: Amber's her friend.
1: Amber is her friend, Who and looks a so lot
0: like her, except for a few little features that are different.
1: Yeah, so that was my forty and slip because
0: because it was the Amber. guy
1: points out this is her friend amber and you know he shows all their social media posts of both of them and then when you see both of them and you see the person on the stairs that they're saying is tiffany you're like that's not tiffany that's her friend amber like it's it's pretty obvious although they both have the long straight brown hair you know blah 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 but it's definitely her friend and you're like why are they putting her friend out there and saying that it's her when it's not i mean that's really strange. Like, yeah. why would you do that unless she's not okay? And then, like, the main thing is she's never, ever resurfaced again, yeah. even though she was a big social Prolific. media girl.
0: Yeah. Like, she was... Everything was loved documented. to post night stuff. Night at the bar, night in Cancun, you know, all of these things. Like, she was Miss Instagram. And then suddenly, she falls over dead, and she doesn't post anything. But they go out of their way to prove to you that she's alive except they do the same thing that they're going to be doing with DeMar Hamlin a couple of years later. Masks, distance, body double, all of these things that people have really gone in on. And again, it may be circumstantial evidence, or it it is evidence. Like, that's the thing that a lot of people do, and it kind of started with atheism and things like that. Like, what evidence do you have? Well, there are actually 12 evidences for the existence of Christ. Evidence, though, is not proof. Evidence can often be testimony. It can be these things. It, it doesn't, and evidence is not general. Like a smoking gun is, uh, you know, even a smoking gun is not a, is not the truth. You may walk into a room, you may, you may see a dead guy. You may see me holding a smoking gun. That doesn't mean I shot the guy. It is evidence that I might have shot him, but it's not, you know, so many people have, like, in in the whole, like, cultism of scientism have begun to say like what is your evidence and what they really mean is prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that what you're saying is true that's not what evidence is evidence is a series of oftentimes anecdotes that can lead to a conclusion but unless you have a video recording of an incident that happened it is generally very hard for that for for any for anything to be known as being the truth. So the thing about it was is that that, that um, many people investigated the t- Tiffany Dover, mainly this Joe guy who's a computer guy, game developer, pretty pretty savvy, pretty dry, pretty pretty open to all the possibilities. Um, and even his story kind of leads you to believe it, it was a psyop on their part to cover it up because he gets really into it and starts really breaking it down and just asking questions and then he gets begins to get bullied by by NBC and by big tech to the th- to the point that I think he finally walked away from it. He was like this isn't you know I'm trying to develop a game this isn't worth my time but he de- he made it clear that he was being pressured to not go any further with this. Um you see the family uh suddenly uh take out a huge loan on a mortgage in, in their area which is very substantial for where they live that she stopped, they, they try to upload a bunch of photos that they say that she took, but they're all on one day at one hour, but they're supposed to be for an entire year. There's just all these things that were made to look like she was still alive and they could be evidences, but they're the same evidences as the people who went in and looked at the photos of when she was quote unquote, supposedly alive and said, no, this actually looks a lot like her friend who is similar, but not the same eyebrows, eyes, all these kinds of things. Um, then there was all this murky stuff that suddenly started appearing. Like People would pull police reports on her and say that she had warrants in three counties and she was wanted for drugs when she'd been this mom, a, a head nurse, obviously someone they were willing to put up on social media as like, hey, get that thing. All of it, like, it suddenly got super murky, but the, the really tip of the iceberg is when um, NBC, an NBC news affiliate, MSNBC, or one of those like, their online podcasting kind of thing. They brought in this really dry-voiced, mighty girl, uh, brown type of graduate reporter who's smarter than everybody. And she made a, a, a podcast that basically the title was something like, Tiffany Dover is Alive. Mm-hmm. And then through four episodes, and she starts off telling you how they're going to prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt that she's alive. And then they reach the fourth episode, and they don't provide any proof ever Whatsoever, they just tell you, like, well, we've talked to people who say she's alive, mm-hmm. and this is this is NBC, you know, with with legions of lawyers and private detectives and all these things, and the best they can come up with is they tell you, well, people we've talked to assure us that she's alive, right? And it's like no well, interview, <laughs> no, no, nothing.
1: you know, live picture with her, nothing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and you know how this could all really be solved is if Tiffany Dover would just make a a legit video with proof in it that she is alive today. Because we have to remember there are deep fakes now. There are things like the, le- but the levels that they went to, and everybody saw in America, Tiffany dover take the vaccine, put her hand to her head and say, I don't feel well and fall over dead. And then what happened after that is a series of things that we are supposed to think is proof that she's alive, but become very suspect and very questionable. And even in their, their, their attempt to prove it to you, they're still like putting a mask on, having this person at distance. There's enough, there's enough evidence on both sides to say there's doubt either way here. You, no one can certainly say by the evidence that she's alive or the evidence that she's dead what her, her status is. But you can infer and say, if the evidence that she's alive is so sketchy yet so put forth by the whores who are trying to promote the vaccine, which is now, in the last month, suddenly become the worst thing ever to take. Even mainstream people are saying that. Then you kind of infer, oh, there was some kind of cover-up here. The proof that the side that she has that's dead, they don't have a body. They don't have any of those things. They can't definitively say it. But their argument's strong because their argument is basically saying this person is not surfacing, they're not alive. The other side is clearly going to some lengths to obscure the truth. And that makes that that makes them as if this were a court of law and we were doing character witnesses, that makes their testimony suspect.
1: Right. <clears throat> I mean, the woman could have gone to the hospital and shown up and easily seen her. Working there still, right? I mean, yeah. if and all, it's true, yeah, all she get, yeah, wouldn't like, that have been easy? And
0: the, yeah, but they'll, they'll say, uh, for a long time, they said, oh, she she works here, but she doesn't want to be known. And then it was like, oh, she doesn't work here anymore. Any attempt to actually put eyes on this person and get them to say, December 13th, you know, uh, Trump is getting kicked out. I'm alive. Mm-hmm. Bam, Nothing. Right. So now we jump over to DeMar Hamlin, which, okay. Let's go through a few things. Okay, this guy's playing football two weeks ago, and he makes a tackle, and they immediately um, start trying to even obscure that, makes the tackle, uh, pulls the guy over, and then he's on the ground too, he gets up, and immediately falls over, and they start, uh, they bring the emergency personnel onto the field, and they start doing chest compression CPR. They do that for nine minutes. Now, industry standard among medical people is eight minutes and you're brain dead. That's it. But people have done CPR longer or whatever. But it was a pretty significant amount of time. And then they make this claim that they're waiting in the ambulance for mom to come. His mom comes to all the games. And as someone pointed out, Dr. Jane Ruby pointed out, this she's like, they, point. Don't, they don't do that. They, the, the ambulance would rush for the trauma center. They would put mom in a police car and have her follow her. That's, that's not a big thing. So then suddenly out of the woodwork come all these explanations that it was absolutely not the vaccine before anyone was really saying it was the vaccine. Mm. They were certainly thinking it, but again, they immediately immediately leap on it. The football players on the field are visibly crying. People get taken off the field by ambulances all the time. This guy was dead, and the players on the field knew it because they were right there. They start crying and they say, we're not going back to work. We're not going to go on with this. And uh, Roger Goodell tried to make the game go on. And the player said, no, we're going home, because that guy was dead. So then uh, he, he go, so, suddenly they come up with this thing called commotio cortis. And suddenly that's the answer for anything. And if you don't believe it's commocio cortis, then you're a conspiracy theorist, which is the wonderful thing that gets slurred around. And it's fun to see all the mainstream whores use you know, uh, um, conspiracy theorists and alt-right and right-wing. And, and it's funny because it's getting down to even people like my friend Clifton Duncan, who is a black man who is an actor of incredible talent and is going to be doing one of the GE books uh, coming up, the Forgotten Ruin Underspire standalone novel, and great guy and everything like that. He became sort of a lightning rod because um, he stood up against the narrative and said, no, I'm not getting this vaccine. I don't think it's good for me, and I don't think you've made the case. And so he's blacklisted and all that kind of stuff and blah, blah, blah. But they immediately come up with this commotio cordis, this you're a conspiracy theorist if you don't believe it's this obvious explanation, and people who know point out, well, the problem with commotio cordis is it's generally for teen athletes who are wiry and thin and sort of sunken chested. And it's in projectile sports, as in baseball or hockey, when they take a blow directly to the chest. And it's specifically, specifically this body type. It can stop their heart. This guy made the tackle. They immediately started saying, oh, he took an awful hit. No, he made the tackle. It wasn't. It, it wasn't a hit. It's, there's a difference. He's also wearing a chest protector that protects him against those things. But immediately, everybody on the side who's defending the vaccine, the Tiffany Dover is still alive without proof side, begins to be absolutely certain. It's that internet thing of like suddenly we're all experts, and to say anything different than the narrative means you're crazy, you're a bad person. You're a terrorist. All of this stuff, and it's like, and I've learned to begin to reverse navigate. Navigate whatever you guys say. The opposite is generally the truth, and that might be a, like a clever or trite thing to say, but COVID totally proved it. Oh yeah. Everything it's that you guys hyperbole. said, you can't go out in the sun. You can't take ivermectin. You can't. You have to wear a mask. Everything that they said, ultimately. Um, that they said was bad ultimately was good for you and now they're saying it because it's okay to say it now well we got it wrong can you just forgive us we were trying it's not like we were all working in collusion to kill you saying patently obvious stuff was like just getting some sunshine sunshine and fresh air literally that that horse-faced tyrant in new zealand said don't even look at people don't (laughs) even look at people insane you know and 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 They wonder why we have a high suicide rate. People are just so depressed now. The people who followed their recommendations ended up being sicker and with a higher likelihood of killing themselves because of depression. Right. Or through bad health. If you followed all of their advice, if you followed all of their advice, you are most likely in bad health or dead today. Right. But now it's okay. We got it wrong, guys. We were trying. Okay. So we go to DeMar Hamlin and this Sunday, and there were a couple little bullshit things before where they tried to show a Zoom video, a still, and say, oh, he's alive. But he's just on a little bit of oxygen. He's okay and everything like that. Okay. Well, certainly he could just make a little video and shout out and teams up and thumbs up and move. Didn't do that. Then they tried to say on the next Sunday, oh, look, he's tweeting at the game. He's involved and everything. That's like, oh, well, you can't fake tweeting, right?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, you can't <laughs>
0: fake that. Like, it's not like every person – who says all the half ass shit. You know that like most celebrities don't even make their own tweets? Exactly. They farm it out to a, a, a small company or a big company. They, that's how they all message on the same thing. That's how they all suddenly say um, to protect our democracy or we're all against guns or we all need to sell our gas stoves. They actually have a corporation that runs those tweets for them. So clearly tweets can be faked. Um, so they 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 knew the pressure was on this week. And so they, they brought DeMar to the game. Do you want to tell him about bringing DeMar to the game?
1: As you said, Michael Jackson. I think it was Michael Jackson,
0: honestly. There's actually a pretty good conspiracy theory that Michael Jackson's alive, and people have shown some pictures, and he actually goes to events, but he's totally body transformed. And you're like, well, that's crazy.
1: But if he's but totally, I could
0: understand why he would do it. Is, you know,
1: if he's totally body and face transformed, then how can you tell that it – seems like him. Yeah
0: you can you can it see still it. Does. I don't know, it's weird. I've seen it but like I get why he would do it his life sucked. Yeah. You know, and all that like, you know. So I don't know, but but again, uh, I here's the here's the thing. I'll, I'll tell you honestly. I think a lot of people that we think are dead are not dead. Um someone said about the guy who did Enron. I don't think it was Ken Lay, but it might have been Ken Lay, but it might have been the other guy. Or like
1: Jeffrey Skilling? Or Maybe
0: something it was, was Skilling. Or? Yeah, it was Skilling. And they said two weeks after, and right at the height of the Enron thing and everything like that, the CEO dies, Jeffrey Skilling. And someone says this guy, and, and this is a really reputable source too, um, that told this story. And she knew this guy, and they're they're in business, and you know all this kind of stuff. And and he said, you know, Jeffrey Skilling's dead. And then I I'm getting onto this first class flight on United, and there's Jeffrey Skilling, two yeah, weeks yeah. after he's dead. Yeah. And no one cares. I mean, it's not like you'd know what the guy, most of America would know what the guy looked like. But I do believe, I, I do think Elvis is dead, sure. um, But I do believe out of that conspiracy theory, I think a lot of celebrities who either were done, and that happens more than you think. A lot of people, like if you look at the Crowder issue right now, like Crowder definitely is on this line where he wants to be done. It's It's no longer fun anymore, blah, blah, blah. Um, but when you get to sort of those weird bigger levels and then there gets a lot of controversy or things are coming down on you and stuff like that, it's very easy to fake your death, especially if you end up in the third world. And But even, you know, the United States in a lot of ways is, with respect to its morals and its professions and licensing, there are doctors who would easily take a couple hundred thousand dollars to get you a death certificate and fake your death. You know, it's... So anyways... Um Damar Hamlin goes to the game, and and they they you can tell that you know it's that over emotionalism of the announcers and everybody's like all hyping it. And there's Damar Hamlin in the house, and you see a guy in a hoodie jacket surrounded by people with his mask on. Up. The hood's pulled He's got up. Got a
1: mask on. He's got sunglasses, sunglasses. on. They've even angled his and, face
0: and they pretty give well you away. One point two seconds.
1: Maybe. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so then, and, and then they show, oh, now here he's getting into the elevator. Demas in the house, you know, <laughs> just doing all this pipe bullshit, you know. And, and all you see is red, is hoodie guy turn and get into the elevator. And conveniently, there's all these people waiting politely for the elevator, and they let him in and then form a wall behind him to Mm -hmm. go in after him and they don't seem to be with him because his entourage comes out of another door so that felt staged okay then they show his mom and little man his little brother coming into the game mom sees all the reporters makes a face and turns away from the camera if your kid was dead and you were being paid a lot of money to be there to make it seem like he was alive i think that i I can definitely understand why she would do that it's not right to do that But I bet it would be very hard to do it. Especially they said, we need you to go to the game and act like he's there. His mom always goes to the game and reps his jersey and colors and this big thing and blah, blah, blah. But she did this thing that if you have a mom and moms get emotional or whatever, you know that look. She sees them and she turns away from the camera. Meaning at that moment, she could not take what was happening.
1: And Little Man looked very serious.
0: Little Man didn't look happy. No. Yeah. For being a little kid going to the game. Right. So then they show you Damar Hamlin watching the game and they hype it again. And, oh, this is it. You know, this big look at that. He's cheering everybody on. And it's not the worst shot they show you. They show you an over-the-shoulder. They don't show you his face. Oh, he's he's in the private, you know, VIP booth. And there's no one else in there but him and Little Man. And he's wearing a mask. Little Man's not wearing a mask. He's wearing a mask. He's wearing his hoodie. He's wearing his sunglasses, and he's turned away from the camera. But he's raising his hands. He's cheering. He's shouting. That is Damar Hamlin. And they keep telling you, like if you listen to the video, that's Damar Hamlin. That's Damar Hamlin because it's a psyop, because it's mind control, because it's entrainment. And you're like, okay, this is getting a little ridiculous. And when you first watch it, you go, am I the only one? Like, am I losing my mind where I don't trust things anymore? And even this, like I'm being shown this. And it's like... Then you find out, like the next day on Twitter or whatever, everybody doesn't believe it. It's all <laughs> right. bullshit. So then that's not the worst, most egregious thing they do. You can see this super cut video. Maybe we can post it. And then they show you a face shot of DeMar Hamlin. The problem is they shoot it from the other side of the stadium. So across the football field in a snowstorm. And they zoom in on the celebrity booth, and all you can see is a black guy. Maybe. Maybe it was Michael Jackson.
1: Just like a silhouette. Yeah, you yeah. just see like a maybe silhouette. Maybe it was that
0: albino mayor of, of London who became the prime minister. I don't know. <laughs> um, mask, sunglasses, hoodie, snowstorm, other side of the football field. And there are cameras that could have got up right on them, but they didn't use those cameras. Right. They used the worst. They used like the 1974 <laughs> Packers Howard Cosell camera to get this shot when they have cameras that from space can read the digits on a golf ball the divots on a golf ball and the name on a title list but apparently that camera was not available and and the whole time this fat sack of fat blowhard white guy NFL sports is my god life narrator is like this is a historic moment Okay, point of order there. What exactly is effing historic about this?
1: Right. As you said, uh, players have injuries yeah. and get taken off in ambulances yeah. all the time. If it was really just a run-of-the-mill yeah. injury and he's fine, why is it so
0: historic? It's doing that sort of thing that football does where it tries to create emotionalism to get you to invest in it harder. And it's why they do this, all these like stupid stories like... You know, his dad came to every game and then died. You know, I'm like, all of that these things. That was the things, only parts I like used to like when my dad would watch. <laughs> bullshit. You know, and you're like, okay, and now they're doing it. It's like, and it's it's not historic. The guy got injured, apparently, according to you, and it wasn't because of the vaccine. And now he's just waiting to come back. That has happened to tons of people. It is not historic in any way, shape, or form. It's like when they say, oh, Star Wars has the first. The new Star Wars has the first black guy. <laughs> and you're like Billy D. Williams, is like uh, say what co 45, <laughs> Lando Calrissian, Space Gambler, you know nothing. Like it's it's all it's all whatever we need right now to emotionally control you. But he was right. It was historic. It was historic, and that is the most ballsy ass psyop I have ever seen in my life.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'll tell you, for I thought about it for a few days, and I thought. That was so clownish. Clearly, someone—I mean, like, like you've heard me on this podcast—hire me to deceive everyone. I'm really good at it. You know, I'm a writer. I make this stuff up. I could have gotten a 98% vax rate in this country easily. I've, I've explained it how. But then I thought about it for a few days, and I thought, hmm, I think they did it on purpose. I think that they made it so clowny and so suspect on purpose that they they wanted that to happen because they know that the 38% of idiots who are on their fifth booster, or like Joe Scarborough this morning, oh, I got really sick with COVID, and it's because I didn't get that fourth booster shot. They're like, <laughs> you fucking idiot. Beep. Excuse my language. Mom's listening to thoughts. And that brings me to the Daily Wire thing. I was at a Daily Wire Christmas party. I was invited because I think they were kind of figuring me out and I'm friends with Andrew Claven, and Andrew Claven is really every like the cool thing about all of this between Daily Wire and Steven Crowder is everybody says the same thing. Andrew Claven Cl- is great. And I, mm-hmm. I did an event with Andrew Claven and uh, Michael Knowles. Michael Knowles is really great too. Yeah. Um, and they're really wonderful people. And then somehow I got invited to the Daily Wire Christmas party at Andrew Claven's Hollywood Canyon house. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you know, you get it, you get it. I don't like to go to things, but I went, and it was okay. Like, Clavin's great. His wife is great. Um, everybody else is kind of, like, super smug and super impressed with themselves. Tell, tell, tell them you're Jeremy Boring's.
1: <laughs> yeah, so.
0: And, it, and, again, Jeremy Boring, perfect last name.
1: I know. <laughs> So, I obviously knew who Andrew Clavin was um, and Michael Knowles. I actually didn't know at the time who Jeremy Boring was. (laughs) And uh, and also,
0: you're one among them.
1: (laughs) I didn't know how big Daily Wire was. I knew it was a thing, I knew it was a website, and that's about all I knew. Like, I had seen articles and stuff on there. And I thought, well, sometimes people just kind of run a website, you know, from their house or whatever, and then they. You know, okay, let's put give you a show, Andrew, and stuff like that. I didn't, I thought it might have been kind of a small operation like that. So that's all I said. Like, when I soprano, met, Cheer Me Boring, be small. I was like, oh, so do you guys, like, have an office that you guys all go to, or do you just, like, you know, work from your houses? Honest and he question. thought it was hilarious. Yeah, he was here. <gasps> she wants to know if we have an office. <laughs> yeah,
0: because I didn't Boren care. Was I was like, so well, I don't know yeah so and he's so vain and so narcissistic and it was kind of like that with everybody at the party it was all a bunch of sort of like overeducated elitists who who have chosen to be on the conservative side because there's money in it but you could easily see them being on and they're not conservative they're neocons and and they don't make that point they tell you that they're conservative but they're neocons there's a difference and the neocons are batshit crazy, just so you know. The neocons love war. That's mm-hmm. their thing. I'm kind of, and I think a lot of people kind of over war. And I don't know that we have the money for war right now. But um, there was this just the massive sense of smug superiority. And I asked this one guy who was like a pro speechwriter, and I think he was like, he was Bush's speechwriter at one point. But he would write speeches for anything. He was like a whore. But he's, you know, he was a big, fat, swollen dude, you know, with a beard. A total fop. Like, every, like a lot of the people there were just total fops. Mm-hmm. Like, they'd never done, like, a hard day's work in their entire life. It, it, and that, that's just an assessment. I could be wrong. But, you know, I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, okay, whatever. And so I go to this guy, and I go, oh. He's like, oh, I used to write speeches for Joe Scarborough. And I said, yeah. I heard he's not that smart because I'd heard from people he's not that smart. And he goes, oh no, Joe's really smart. He's very smart. Really. I'm like, okay, all right. I've heard from other people that I trust he's not that smart, but here you are telling me smart. And Joe Scarborough is a totally horrible person. You know, like I was a Republican, and then the courage of his convictions and a massive payout convincing, like he is, he was yesterday's Adam Kinzinger. Mm -hmm. You know, Tea Party guy. Remember Kinzinger was a Tea Party guy, and then suddenly worst enemy of the right all you maggot terrorism blah 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 even so like so all in on it that he literally sacrificed his own career and his his family Kinzinger's family wrote him a letter and said what has happened to you really yeah it's like yeah, yeah. it was bad so that was kind of my experience is that they're all sort of super self-impressed fops and you know and then the rate sheet encounter where i'm like are you kidding $40,000 for Ben Shapiro to do a 10-second read on my product. I'm sorry. I'm just on side. And, and it's crazy. my point. Like I, I, that They'll all talk about we need to take back conservative culture. And Jason and I have made this point repeatedly to a lot of them. Then do what the left does and sell conservative books. Larry Correa, myself, a lot of those people. But what they want to do is constantly sell you their book for taking back America. Now over at MSNBC and CNN and NPR, they will constantly push left-wing authors free and gratis because they're smart. And they know that philosophy comes at the culture in three different ways. It comes at you in higher learning and it comes at you, that's level three, and it comes at you at level one around the kitchen table with your family, where you discuss events and you develop morals and you impart philosophy to your kids. The second way that it comes at you is actually the most powerful way, the way that really turns you into who you are, and that's through fiction and media. That's level two. Um, the left gets that, and so that's why they 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 co-opt or capture all of your Netflix shows all of your science fiction books, all of your comic books because they know they can download their deranged ideas through there. You go over to the Daily Wire and say, hey, here's some conservative authors you're pushing and they look at you and say, can you come up with $40,000 for a 10-second ad read? And you're like, no, I'm trying to help change the culture. You said, Ben, on your show, all you guys, you know, we need to get in there and change the culture, but all you can do is fleece the people who are trying to do that so that you can make money and then sell on top of that your book again On how to take back America again, and I've been getting these books since 2008, since 2005, I haven't been buying them, but they're always Mark Levin, Ben Shapiro, all the usual suspects, how we take back America. And the truth is, is they don't care. They're not interested in taking back America. What they're interested is in constantly feeding the rage machine so that you're constantly upset by the things that the Democrats or the left or the globalists are doing because you guys are the workers and you're the ones who actually have money the left doesn't have money left left left-wing drones don't have money and they don't spend money right-wing people out driving a truck farming working hard union shop doing jobs blah 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 starting a small business running a major corporation whatever they have money but what they need is to feel threatened and so the daily wire is and I think the Crowder incident confirm this to me but i had i have inside knowledge i've just explained it to you i do not like them as people i do not enjoy them they're not conservatives by any way shape or form but they will constantly tell you that you're in danger that you're threatened that we need need to take back the culture that we need to do the culture war we need to build our own things all these all these kinds of things but then they turn around to the people like me myself who are doing that larry Correa, jason ansbach lots of conservative authors And they don't do one thing to help us do that. They instead ask us to pay to do it because they're not really that invested in it. Then you go over to the Steven Crowder thing that happened uh, where they had a contract negotiation, fell through. Crowder outed them what they were really saying. And then the, the Daily Wire immediately used all the left wing tactics that the left does. The mean girling in the case of Candace Owens, who I intensely dislike now just because of her behavior. On the Tim Pool podcast, it was it was ish and it was shrewish, and it was just mean-girling. It wasn't any facts or anything like that. It was hearsay, and she's never met him. But she sat right there and said, oh, he's an awful person. Everybody knows that. That's classic left stuff. Then they suddenly, everybody at the Daily Wire switched message from, oh, it's not about fighting tech and contract. It's about Crowder's a greedy person. It's not about that at all. I listened to his story. I listened to Candace Owen. I listened to Jerry, Jeremy Boring. I listened to all involved. And at the end of the day, I came to the conclusion that Steven Crowder was right. He was saying, if you constantly raise money from the people who listen to you selling products, subscriptions, and things like that, by saying that you're fighting big tech, but then you sign people to contracts in which they must obey big tech or be cancelized to the point of a 110% penalty of the money they earn, then you are not really fighting big tech. You are actually serving big tech. So yeah, I do think the day it's the first time I've probably ever said it. And I think Stephen Crowder said the opposite of it. But I'm gonna say I think the Daily Wires control the opposition. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think they have our best interests at heart. Andrew Claven, great guy. Michael Knowles, nice from what I've worked with him. Good guy, seems to have it right on but do I think that the Daily Wire is Dan Crenshaw and Ted Cruz and a bunch of Texas oil billionaires and possibly a lot of foreign money? I sure do, and I don't think that they're Americans. Do I think Crowder is right on and everything like that? I'm not even going to split the difference. Yeah, I do. I think he's right. I think he's putting his money where his mouth is, and I think he's saying the thing out loud that needs to be said, which is you can't claim to fight the other side if you're willing to play by the other side's rules that gives you control of them. You cannot claim to be fighting Facebook if you say, I will only post things that abide by Facebook's terms. So, and that's all he's saying. Now they made it that he's greedy and he's mean and he's not a good friend. And as he points out, he's like, Jeremy Boring came afterwards and said, oh, a friend would never record a friend. But he says during the business call with me, when I tell him what's wrong with the contract and that this isn't right, he says, well, that's just business. And he makes the good point. He says, "You can't have it both ways. Are we friends, or is it just business?" And that's a that's a valid valid point.
1: Exactly. thoughts. No, I totally agree. I thought that was a great point too, um, and I agree with you completely. Um, and we kind of, uh, I think we had already kind of come to the conclusion. Uh, of sort of walking away from the Daily Wire a while back, actually. Yeah, I mean, because uh, we I, used yeah, to listen to to their stuff some, and yeah, we liked them. They're
0: they're and they're fishy and squishy on a lot of issues. Yeah. Kind of hard
1: on. Yeah, and yeah. so this isn't just oh we picked a team. It's like we had already come to the conclusion that they were I don't know not not conservative enough yeah. for us. Here's the deal. I like actually... Stephen Crowder,
0: and he's funny, and he does great impressions, and like the sketches he does, like do make a good political point the one with alex jones that got him banned boom, <laughs> great was beautiful it was beautiful um but i was telling the medusa i said you know what makes me believe crowder more is actually his friend on the show who is his sidekick which is gerald which is um gerald's a lot of the times the straight the straight mm-hmm. man the butt yeah. of a lot of jokes and things like that but you can tell he has a really deep faith and he's a very honest person he studied apologetics and doctrine, and and he he seems to be precise on all his issues, and willing willing to willing to go to the truth even if it doesn't serve what he's saying or whatever. But I found like based on the integrity of Ger- Gerald, it's more I'm more likely the character reference for Crowder. Based on the people I met at the Daily Wire party, character reference for not for no for like they're kind of phony. Um, then you move over to Dave Lando. I'm still breaking up all this crap in my lungs. Um, then you move over to Dave Lando, who's sort of the funny man on, on Crowder. No one funnier.
1: Yeah. No one
0: drier and funnier and was a left wing guy. And he said, listen, I was all in on all these things until it became bullshit. And then he goes, when you told me that the people on the other side couldn't say things because they were bad, like, His story is very interesting, but just for pure hilarity and like side-of-the-mouth comments, that guy ropes it hard to the cheap seats. He's really funny. So I hope the Crowder show comes back. I think they're shooting themselves in the foot right now because they're not making shows. Um, He's kind of expressed that he wants to give up because it's kind of too much and he's been depressed about it and everything like that. And he wants to, you know, retire at 40 and just basically produce shows and things like that. And I would say to him, and this is how I'll close out the podcast, and I think I think pretty much a lot a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are my age. There might be some younger guys, and maybe some guys my age or girls my age. You might need to give this advice to somebody, but I'll give you the advice that my dad gave to me. And I don't think Steven Crowder is going to hear this podcast, but let's just say he does. I would say that it's very common in your 30s to feel like it's too much and you're never going to make it and you're never going to get to your perfect life. And you thought that by this time you should have it all figured out. And my dad kind of explained that to me when I was young. He said, listen, when you're in your 20s, um, you're, you're just trying to get it together you know like it's really hard because when you get into your 30s you start to figure it out but that's when you've got to hustle that's when you've got to really just operate on a minimum cash maximum investment because there is a tomorrow and in your 20s you you weren't you, you didn't really understand the concept of tomorrow you just thought every day you'll be 20s for the rest of your life and you'll always feel great and all these kinds of things. You always have opportunities. You'll always be at the prime of your life. You get in your 30s and you realize like you got to hustle now. And you've kind of begun to figure it out because you've probably locked in on the profession you're going to do. And you're starting to develop some journeyman confidence and things. Like in your 30s, you work. That's what my dad said. He said in your 40s, it begins to come together and you feel like it's all humming now. This is as good as it gets. That's what you feel like. You begin to get confident, real confidence. Men in their 30s and their 20s, and it, probably for women, but I can't speak for women. Men in their 30s, but this is good for women to hear because maybe it helps you understand a little bit. In your 20s, it's all testosterone. In your 30s, you don't have any confidence. You're just, you're now right where you need to be, which is, I don't know enough sensei, train me harder. And then in your 40s, you begin to actually get real confidence and you kind of know what you're doing you do know what you're doing and you're on your way and you think that's as good as it's going to get and the shocking thing my dad said to me is in your 50s that is the best because everything has come together you have confidence you're still young your business your career is probably you are probably the best in it right now and he said, that's that, and then your 60s is just kind of writing that and then wrapping it up, and, and then you go into retirement. And the other thing he said is there is no such thing as a retirement. And he had retired, and he, that was a lesson, kind of like a darker lesson he gave me later, but he said there's really no such thing as retirement. You should never retire. But the shocking thing that he told me at that time was your 50s is when it all comes together. And, it all, and that's, that's really the course of my life. Your 50s is when you just feel like, man, this is great. It finally has all paid off. It's all working. I can command my rates. I know how to do my job. Everything's kind of trimmed out and working great. And so to someone like Steven Crowder, who's in this crisis moment, I've had my crisis moments in my 30s, and I think every man is, you feel like you want to give up. And I think especially for young people now having gone through everything that we've gone through, but I would say don't give up give it five more years and you will understand and you will begin to see the payoff and then give it 15 more years when you hit 50 from 35 to 50 and you will be so glad that you kept digging in but i think a lot of friends age kids who watched friends on reruns and everything like that they still labor under that i should have it all together in my 30s i should have the least BMW, the successful business, all of these things, it's like, nah, it doesn't work that way. You're still killing it until your 40s. And there's other problems that will happen in your 40s and 50s and health crisis or whatever. But what you're looking for as a man is to finally be genuine. And you will not be genuine, I think, really honestly, until your 40s. That's when you've made all the mistakes you've learned the right things and you hopefully live by those right things. Now you don't just say them, but you actually live by them. And then you get your forties to kind of manifest that into things that actually reward you where it's a system by your fifties. So that's what I would say to a kid like Steven Crowder, like, eh, this is just a storm. Don't make all the life decisions based on a storm, you know, keep plugging away, keep moving forward. And I would say that to all of us because I think that we're headed into some increasingly grim times. We should do another podcast this week because this one's gone a little long. And I think there's some things to talk about that are going to happen on February 1st that are pretty extreme. I think I should also talk about real quick. I've got banned on Facebook a couple of weeks. I'm really getting tired of that. And I don't think it was about anything I said, because all I said was the same thing that they were saying about Russia. I just said we should nuke the Swiss village. And they were all months ago saying, oh, we need to nuke Russia, blah, blah, blah. So it wasn't about that. I think that uh, the things that are coming up on February 1st, I think we'll see the actual collapse of the petrodollar in February. Um, I think there's like there's a lot of things I don't think I think... The Daily Wire, I think that the DeMar Hamlin thing, I think all of that is, again, more Kavanaugh stuff to distract us from what is really going on, which is there is about to be a significant mortgage crisis because a lot of mortgage banks were actually invested in crypto. The stuff that's going on with crypto right now is insane. And the petrodollar will most likely on February 1st, which is the petrodollar is what has allowed you your lifestyle as an American up until now pretty sure that's going to collapse on february 1st thereabouts we should do another podcast maybe we can do it like on friday or something like that just for the insiders i try to only do podcasts for the insiders this week because i got banned so much i tried to make a podcast for everybody so everybody could get a little taste of brown honey chocolate sugar than i am <laughs> say goodbye Manisa.
1: goodbye everyone talk to you guys soon and that's the podcast